0: Happy Easter, everyone. I just want to introduce you guys to a new song this morning, this afternoon. As we sing this, I'm going to sing it a few times in the beginning, just so that we can become familiar with it. What God's been really teaching me this week for me and this season of Lent is trusting in Him in all things uh, don't trust in my preparation, or in my notes, or just in anything else other than Christ. Especially with today's message, it's going to be a little different in a sense where it's not going to be so focused on points and sub-points, but I want to speak to you in narration from the heart, just sharing the story of the life of Jesus, His life and His death and His resurrection. And as we do so, I pray today with all of my heart, and especially starting with this song, that your heart will be open, that your worship will not be dry, that you will not just stand there with your hands to the front, but that you will show in your posture, and that you will worship Him passionately, and that you will give Him everything for today is what Christianity is all about. It's all about Christmas, and it's all about Easter his birth, his death, and his resurrection. And that is why we are here today to worship him. So let's start the song. It says, Though I cannot fully show, I show my love for you. Let's make this our worship this afternoon. Let's sing together.
1: Though I cannot fully show, I show my love for you, though I
0: It's just like the love of my Lord. Heavenly Father, remember 1 John 4:19. Because you first loved us, we were able to love you back. Thank you for making a way for us when we were hopeless and lost in our sins. You made a way for us. You did not wait until we got our act together. but Lord, you pursued us from the beginning, from the moment that we were born and while we were in our mother's womb. You had a purpose and a plan for us, God. And Lord, thank you for giving us the conscience, and the faith that we have to make that conscious decision to follow you today and to know you today in faith. I pray, God, against every distraction. I pray, God, we'll remember back when we first committed our hearts back to you. Let us remember today of the promises that we made to God. It may have been in the mission field. It may have been when you are alone in your room. It may have been from a retreat. Wherever it was, let us give glory to God for that beautiful day, for His calling in our lives. May we not take it for granted, for the call that He has in our lives. May we be faithful in this one life, and this one chance that we have. And may we always run back to the Father like the prodigal son, but as you run back, let us remember that it is He that pursues us first. And because he loved us first, we are able to love him unconditionally. Lord, thank you for your pursuit. Thank you for your love. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. All right, let's all take our seat at this time. And can we once again turn to our neighbor and say, "Happy Happy Easter. Do you know who the first four disciples were in the Bible? I will give it to you, because usually when I ask, you guys freeze like deer staring at our (laughs) headlights. Oh, yes, Andrew, okay. (laughs) Peter, John, a brother, another brother. Sons of Zebedee. Peach? (laughs) James, James. So it's a set of two brothers. Uh, So, you know, Arlene and Dan, the fact that you guys are brothers, it's a blessing. Uh, It's a blessing to be in the same church. Or sisters, it's a blessing to be in the same church. And God called Peter and Andrew, the first set of brothers, and then James and John right after that. These four men, as we know, they were fishermen. Uh, They would set the foundation of every individual who comes after them, what it means to be a Christian, and how do we become a disciple of Jesus Christ. They really set the standard that in this world, we say, you cannot do certain things unless you have a certain degree of education. You have a certain amount of money in your bank account, or how tall you are, or how skillful you are. We understand as Christians, through Peter, Andrew, James, and John, that God can use any individual, any person, who is willing to give up everything and to follow Jesus Christ. So we see that these four men were fishermen. They most most likely had a decent and a successful business because we know that they come from a line of fishermen. We know that their father was a fisherman, so they most likely had taken over their father's business. We see in this story that we're about to read, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that they give up everything. They leave their profession, they leave their career, they leave their father to follow Jesus Christ. And the next three years of their life will be full of crazy miracles, ups and downs. Again, these were Jewish men. Let us understand that context. So as Jewish men, they would become familiar with all the legends that they would have heard in the Old Testament. The story of Moses, the story of Elijah, and that one day a promise that a savior will come into this world to free the people from sin. And they would hear the story, but in their minds it would be a fairy tale. Who would have thought that these men would become legends themselves as they embarked on this journey, as they followed Jesus Christ in the beginning when Christ called these first Four men, and the other eight later. Let me just set the stage for the message with these three scriptures. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let's start with Matthew four, verse eighteen to twenty-two. Again, today's message is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more of a story, not with the points. So please follow me. Let's begin with Matthew 4. The title says, Jesus calls his first disciples. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish For people, that's where the phrase, fisher for men, comes from. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Mark's version is almost identical. Can you turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 20? The title is the same. Jesus calls his first disciples. It says in verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher men and followed him. And lastly, let's all turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Again, the title is the same. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked them to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, From now on, you will fish for people. You'll be fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Amen and amen. Whenever we find the description in the Bible in the night, they are not successful. But when Jesus comes and teaches them, he teaches them in the light early in the morning or during the day, which is a symbol of hope. Just like us on Good Friday, that was our evening. That was the nighttime where it felt hopeless to the disciples when they saw their king, their teacher, their leader, their master die on the cross because we understand as human beings, we grasp that when you end and when you die, there is no coming back. There is no such thing as resurrection. But Jesus, the fact that when he says to his disciples in verse 4, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch, the fact that their boat was so full that they were literally about to sink, it means that we cannot do anything without God's help, without Christ in our lives, without Easter, without the light that we have on this very day, without the light and the hope of Christ, we have no hope. We cannot become fishers of men. We cannot become his handiwork and his workmanship without Easter. Because without Easter, without his resurrection, this Christianity, this life means nothing. We have no hope without the call and the life of Jesus Christ. So over the course of next three years, Of these 12 disciples, they would become fisher of men, and they would give up everything, and they would follow Jesus for the next three years. Out of all the disciples, I think the one that I like, I mean, I like all of them, but the one that's the funniest is Peter. He's just a crazy individual, very passionate, full of passion. He's very extreme at times and full of zeal. But let us try to see from the lens of the disciples and see the life and the lesson that Jesus taught, especially through today's message of what Easter is all about. So what did Jesus teach to the people? And to his disciples. In Matthew 6, verse 33 to 34, Jesus taught his disciples and the people that he was teaching to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It says specifically, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So for the next three years, the disciples who are accustomed to the things of this world, to the darkness of this world, to the ways of the world, the world says pursue riches. The world says pursue popularity. The world says pursue fame. But Jesus comes and he preaches completely opposite the upside-down kingdom to his disciples. He gives them this radical teaching, That you must serve first. If you want to be first, you need to be a servant. You need to love first. You need to forgive. When the enemy comes and slaps you, you need to turn the other cheek. And he taught what it meant to be a servant leader. So three quick points, real quick. Number one, he taught, seek his kingdom. He taught the disciples to seek his kingdom. Number two, to know his heart. And number three, to follow his path, nothing more and nothing less. And we see it in the example of the way that Jesus lived his life, the principle that he followed. He didn't follow the principle of this world, but he followed the principle of heaven, of God, of what was good, what was pure, and what was full of righteousness, what was full of integrity and uprightness, and he was honorable. Because we see it in all throughout the gospel of how Jesus lived his life. We see it in the story of Luke 7, where Jesus is traveling. He has a schedule, but he goes and he stops, it says, to attend a funeral. Where? At a place called Town of Nain. And I regret this, and I remember this town very vividly in my mind. Because when I had a chance to visit the town of Nain, my stomach was hurting. And as my professor was teaching about this town of Nain, we were overlooking from the hill and just looking at the town. Later, I was able to listen to the recording again. I was like, oh, I had to go and I went into the bushes to use the bathroom. By the time I came back, like the lesson was pretty much done. Luckily, the bus didn't even leave, right, that they waited for me. But in this town of Nain, the whole point of the story is that jesus did not plan to go to this place it was not well it wasn't in, in the schedule of the disciples they stopped by this town jesus he's moved with his heart with compassion and he stops and sees a funeral he sees a woman who lost her one and only son no husband the bible says she was a widow so as a widow in that time, it means she was pretty much as good as dead. There was no hope for her. There was no future for her. It's not like now where a female can go and buy land and live on her own and have their own job. It's, it just wasn't possible. Jesus moves with compassion. He goes, touches the bear, the coffin, and raises the dead sand back to life, brings him back to the mother and brings the gospel, the truth, and life in this woman's dead life. We even see it in Luke 15 where Jesus gives a story where he would leave the 99 for one, a descriptive story that when he finds that lost sheep, he doesn't abandon the 99. He leaves the 99 in a safe place, just like the disciples. When they left their father, they didn't say, okay, dad, peace out, later. The Bible gives us a description that in Mark 1, that they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher man and followed him, meaning they were responsible. Jesus, he leaves the 99 in a safe place, and he pursues that one lost individual, that lost sheep. And he gives a story that we are only strong as the weakest link. The team, the family is only strong as its weakest link. Link. And we see the story of how Jesus lived his life. Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Gospels, it shows how Jesus radically changed the world in his lifetime. And he prompted the disciples, his disciples, beloved children his followers his friends he taught them the complete opposite of what the jewish people thought during that time the jewish people thought that the messiah would come in power in military power with power and strength but jesus he came quietly humbly isaiah 53 says that nobody recognized would recognize who this Messiah would be because he would come humbly and quiet in love and he would heal and he would forgive and he would give life to the lost to come to save the lost, to seek and to save the lost. That is why Jesus came on this earth to rescue you, to rescue me, to rescue those who are hopeless, who do not have any hope. The Jews during that time, they thought, the Messiah would come and overthrow the Roman Empire and free the Jewish people. But how wrong they were. Jesus taught them to be humble. He didn't just say, do what I say. He walked the talk. What he said, he did. And his disciples followed him because he would set the way and make a way for his disciples. When the disciples would have an argument or discussion of who is the greatest among them. You know, we see Peter and John, they're just going back and forth. And when they're having that discussion, who is the greatest among them? Jesus teaches them in Matthew 20, 26 to 28, not so with you. As Christian men and women of God, not with you. Don't discuss who is the greatest among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples would often argue who is the greatest among themselves, who is the numero uno, first. But Jesus says, not so with you. Not so with you. For I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for all. He was talking about his sacrifice on the cross. At this point, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, they would not fully comprehend. They did not fully understand that Jesus was teaching about the upside-down kingdom. The world says, the first shall be first. But Jesus comes and teaches this radical teaching. Rather, the last shall be first, that whoever wants to become great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first, he must become a slave. Follow my example. And we see it in the way that Jesus loved his men, his disciples, the woman, Mary, Martha. We see the way that Jesus interacts with the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. We see the way that Jesus He heals the sick, the blind, the mute. We see the way that he goes and the leopards. Henson's disease that we call it now. At that time when you were a leper and you had leprosy, you're an outcast. No one touches you. Jesus, he could have healed this man with leprosy with his words because it was disgusting to touch. Some of us, we serve in homeless outreach, and we try our best to avoid touching. But there's something intimate that it brings, a relationship that it brings, the freedom that it brings to that individual when there is an encounter with a physical touch. Jesus goes and he touches the man with leprosy. He touches the coffin. When a teacher is forbidden from touching a dead body, it is against the Jewish culture and the custom, but Jesus goes and he breaks all of them and he touches it, and he brings that individual back to life. He touches the man with leprosy to fill him with love, for he hasn't touched anyone, I'm sure. No one has touched him for years. His family would have to abandon him. He would be left alone as an outcast, alone. No one can touch him. No one can go near him. Children can't even talk to him. But Jesus completely changes history and goes and he touches this man with leprosy. Can you imagine what was going through the eyes and the senses of these disciples? They all come from different walks of life, tax collectors who are hated by many, for they were known as traitors to their own people, fishermen, same profession as shepherds, outcasts of society. Jesus, when he comes onto this earth, who does he first show? He shows himself to shepherds who are known as outcasts in this world. He doesn't show himself. He's not born in a palace. He doesn't show himself in front of kings and princes. But he is born in a manger. Humbly he comes to this world. For he had one purpose, to serve his people. To die as a ransom. To save them from sin. To save humankind, mankind, from death the life of eternity in hell to give them life a hope and a future where jesus says i am the way the truth and the life and then fast forward we come to john 13. we talked about this on thursday and we talked about this on good friday This is now Jesus, he's in Jerusalem. This is after he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And in Jerusalem, they're all there to celebrate Passover. Just to get an understanding of what a Passover is, a Passover meal is to remember back when in the Old Testament, the legendary story of Moses, how he freed the Israelites from the power of Egypt. It celebrates the day when the tenth plague, the last plague, when Pharaoh was so hardened in his heart, even after all the miracles, he still would not believe that God was God, that God was Yahweh. It says, God hardened his heart because Pharaoh was beyond repair. There was no return. He reached a point of return in his life. And then that's when. God commands Moses, command the Israelites, for those who have faith, for those who believe, to put the blood of the lamb on the doorframe, front, back, top, side, everywhere. Put it as a symbol of my communion with you, of my covenant with you, of my protection with you. They take an innocent lamb and they put the blood on the doorframe. The Egyptians, of course, they don't because they don't have faith, they don't believe. They were kept from believing because their hearts were so hardened. And then, that following evening, the spirit of death comes. Whenever they saw the blood of the lamb on the doorframe, they skipped, they passed over those houses. But for those households that did not have the blood of the lamb, every firstborn in their family. The livestock, everything had died. So, Jesus here on John 13 to celebrate the meal, the Passover meal, but they don't fully understand that Jesus is the true Lamb of God, that it is through His blood. And we must put it on our hearts and in our lives. And it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are able, when we die on this earth, this temporary life on this earth, we have life for all of eternity in heaven with God. That you are not hopeless and that you are not lost. And Jesus gives his final Well, I believe it's the second to last of his expression, of his teaching on how to serve one another. The final is the cross, right? Jesus, he died on the cross. He gave and he showed what it meant to be selfless, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He showed that to us through the cross. But right before that, Jesus does does something very special to his disciples and he washes the feet the dirtiest part of the human body. Meaning there is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no sin that is greater than the sacrifice and the weight of the cross. For we are all sinners and lost, but it is through the cross of Jesus Christ that we are crucified with him. And it is no longer that we live, but it is Christ that lives in us. And in this story, John 13, verse 4 to 5, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. A teacher does not take off his outer clothing. So for Jesus to take off his outer clothing is a symbol of great humility. Wrapped a towel around his waist like a worker like a slave, like a servant. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. The dirtiest part. Drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. And Jesus asked this question, Do you understand what I am doing for you? Can you imagine what's going through the heart of Jesus as he's washing Judas' feet? knowing that he he has already betrayed him, knowing what he's about to do in the next few hours, that he will hand them over to the Jewish leaders for him to be persecuted, to die on the cross, knowing that this will be his last remaining few days here. Can you imagine the weight of the heart of Jesus as he's having this meal with his disciples? And in this meal, Jesus would declare that one of you will betray me and that you will all scatter on account of me. Jesus says specifically in Matthew 26 verse 31, Jesus told them this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Remember, he is our shepherd. When there is no shepherd, the sheep will run roaming around, they would have no hope, no purpose. They are open to being attacked by wolves, by other animals to be eaten. Sheep are not smart animals. So they would lead each other blindly, take each other to places where they would fall over a cliff. If there is no protection, the sheep cannot exist. This was to fulfill the prophecy That was given in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Fulfilling the prophecy where it says, And those who are of the Jewish descent, they will be familiar with that phrase. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Where it comes from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. We thought during the whole riot, during the whole shooting, when riots were going on, we thought that was chaos. We watch movies like wars, and we hear stories of wars, and we think it's chaos. Yes, that is chaos. But spiritually speaking, there was no greater chaos that was happening compared to this moment where the King of kings, the Lord of lords, would die on the cross, would be beaten, spat on, humiliated, wrongly accused, innocent, And the sheep will be scattered. And the disciples will reject this ridiculous claim. And they have the audacity to say, Jesus, I promise you, we will never disown you. I promise you, nothing's going to happen to you. Or how wrong they were. Just like Jesus said, in Matthew twenty-six thirty-one, fulfilling the prophecy, Zechariah 13 1. 13 7. They all leave and they all reject according to exactly what Jesus said that they would do. I'm almost finished. Jesus, He Goes on the cross. But before that, he goes to trial, a fake trial. He's already claimed guilty. The people are out there to kill Jesus, to wrongly accuse him. And Jesus, he goes on the cross. And in his very final moment, let us all turn to Matthew 27, verse 45 to 46. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. It was during the day, but it was night. for there was no light during that moment. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabactani," Which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Found all alone, just like the Psalm chapter 22, where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. It should be bright. It was during the day, but it was night. Symbolically, it was evening. The thought he had won. Finally, the Messiah, if we kill him, it's finished, it's over, just like the movie Chronicles of Narnia. They thought they had won the battle. They thought they had won the war. Jesus is up on the cross. He's thirsty. The audacity of these people, they don't give him water, but they give him vinegar. Immediately, Matthew 27, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. Put it on a staff and offer it to jesus to drink i think the last thing you want to drink when you're thirsty is vinegar (laughs) and then not long after that jesus takes his final breath and he dies and peter is watching all of this the bible says a stone throw distance so however far you can throw a stone he's keeping his distance not engaging like a coward, just watching his beloved teacher, his beloved friend, his leader, taking his final breath. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split. There's symbolism in that. A spiritual symbolism in this. That when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, where he gave up his spirit, at that moment, it was finished. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you understand what that means? The curtain... It's a thick curtain that a human being cannot rip. It is one of those heavy curtains. You guys ever try picking up a curtain or a carpet on your own? It is impossible. There's no way that you could rip a textbook with your hands. They say when someone comes at you with a knife, roll up a magazine and use it to defend yourself. That's how strong it is. The temple is where it kept. The holy of holies, the holy place where the ark of God was. If you go back to the tabernacle, that's where the temple was. And that only the high priest can enter the holy place through the curtain with the ark of God, with the cherubim angels, and to sprinkle the blood once every year for the sins of mankind. Other than that, there is no way for you to be forgiven from your sins. Imagine all the animals that they had to kill. But when Jesus died, the lion and the lamb, once and for all, when he died and took his final breath, the curtain tearing from top to bottom is a symbol that it is finished. Now you do not need to wait once every year to make that sacrifice. That you are in your place right now, Anywhere you are, wherever you are, when you go and you confess and you believe in Jesus Christ with your heart, you will be saved and your sins will be forgiven. It's a guaranteed promise, and that is what Easter represents today. Because he lives, because he lives. The curtain of the temple was torn in two, top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. So the next three days, all these disciples, after witnessing their beloved leader, their friend, die, uh, for the next three days, it would be like hell for them. I mean, they were filled with so much guilt Can you imagine, Uh, like you lose a loved one and you don't get to say, I love you. You don't get to say, you know, how much that person meant to you. And that person is gone. There's no way for you to communicate with that person to show your heart. And when I say hell, hell means living a life without God. When God is absent in our lives when God is not present. When God is absent in our lives, we are filled with hopelessness. You may be happy here and there once in a while. It's good. You get a gift. You're happy for a moment, but it's all happening because of your happenings. But joy comes from knowing the eternity that we have in Christ. Imagine the hopelessness that they felt. Imagine the guilt that they felt. They missed their leader. They missed their mentor. They missed their friend. For three years, they served together in the trenches, spraying the message of the gospel of the upside-down kingdom. And I'm closing with this. We all know the story of Jesus coming back. And I think we've grown accustomed and too spoiled from this truth. And we need to check our hearts right now, this afternoon, and understand what Easter is all about. Jesus comes back, he reveals himself to his disciples. He shows them the mark Of the nail in his hands, the scars in his body, for every whip represents his love for us. They see their King of kings, the Lord of lords, come in the flesh to reveal himself once again, and that he overcame death and death in himself. Here's how foolish the disciples were. the scripture tells us that they go back to their old life of what was familiar to them, of familiarity. Hence, they go fishing. Remember in the beginning, I told you that they were what? Fishermen. A lot of times when, when, we, lo- when we lose focus and purpose in life, we go back to what we're familiar with. For example, for me, a lot, one of the things that I struggled with was friendships. So when I would feel empty and I want to fill myself, I will go back to old friendships, old habits, and we all all have something that brings us back to our default mode before we met Christ. Hence, in this case, they go fishing. And there is nothing worse than living a life of hopelessness, of lukewarmness, and going back To your old way of life. And as Christian men and women of God, we are now called to go back to our old ways of life old habits, addictions, relationships, old dreams, old lives. That when we meet Christ, and this is only possible because of Easter. This is only possible because of his resurrection. We're able to embrace and move forward in this new dream and new purpose that God has given you and God has given me. There is no going back. How can the disciples go back? But in this case, they go back to their old profession, to what they knew. So Peter, I'm sure, the leader of the group, he comes up and he's like, "Hey guys, you know, let's just go back and let's just go fishing, you know, because they're they're down and about and they're just trying to make themselves feel better." And then it says here in John chapter twenty-one, and the title says, "Jesus and the Miraculous Catch of Fish." It says afterwards jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of galilee going back to the beginning the origin that's where they were called they were at the sea of galilee when they were first called by jesus in matthew mark and luke it happened this way simon peter thomas also known as didymus Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Remember, they lost one disciple, Judas. He killed himself. He's not in the picture. Please do not be like Judas and be hopeless and lost. But Continuing on, I digress. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. The boat, whenever we talk about the boat, we talk about And we remember the story of Jesus calming the storm in a boat when he's found sleeping. Never go out into the storm, into the water, without Jesus being in your boat. But that night, remember, night represents a life away from God. And the best time to catch a fish is when? Nighttime or early in the morning? But they choose at nighttime to go fishing here. It's a spiritual symbol that without Christ, With us, we can do nothing. Because in this very instant, it says, but that night, they caught what? Nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning. Morning symbolizing hope. Morning symbolizing Easter today with the beautiful sun, the resurrection, hope. Unlike Judas, lost and dead in the night. If you remember back with the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, it that he went out into the night and he never came back. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them. Friends, not enemies. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Is this bringing some memory with the story of Luke? Remember in the beginning? When they caught so much fish that their boat was sinking. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. They even caught more than they did in the beginning. In the beginning, they were able to put it on the boat, but their boat was sinking. Now they were not even able to even put it into the boat because the number was even greater. Verse 7, that the the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, he's talking about himself, John. It is the Lord. He's talking good about himself. It was me, John, that noticed it was God. And here's what's beautiful about Peter's heart. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards, so think of a a football field. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Imagine coming to shore, and Jesus has breakfast. He is making breakfast for you which goes back to Psalm 23, that he prepares a feast, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When he gives a meal, it's a symbol of hope and resurrection. It's a symbol that when you left me hanging, it's forgiven. There's no debt anymore, it is forgiven. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And Jesus gets personal, and he is getting personal with you. The title here says, Jesus reinstates, in other words, restores Peter. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. He's reminding Peter from the beginning that you will fish for people, that you'll be fishers of men. Now he's teaching him that you will be a shepherd. Take care of my sheep to take care of my lamb. He's reinstating Peter. He's giving him his purpose. Your job is not to go and fish for actual fish, but for fish to be a fisher of men to spread the message of the truth, to spread the message of salvation, to spread the message of Easter, of my death and my resurrection. And because I live, you also live, and you shall live from here on now, not to going back to your old way of life, but to this new life, to this new place, new calling, where I'm calling you to go. And verse 18 and 19 is actually very sad when it says you dress yourself where you want it when you're young, but now when you're old, someone wants to lead you to do things that you do not want to. When it says to indicate the kind of death that Peter will glorify God. In the beginning, Peter was a coward. (laughs) He couldn't even stand strong against a little girl who was saying, hey, aren't you that guy who was with Jesus? And he said, no, no, no. He comes 180 degree, full circle. This is A legend that we all don't know for sure is to talk about the death in which Peter will glorify God. Under Emperor Nero, under the Roman Empire, he will be crucified also like Jesus. But the legend says that I am deemed unworthy to be crucified the same way as my Lord and Savior crucify me upside down, and that's how Peter would die. The Bible makes it very clear. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Isaiah 43.18 Forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. It goes back to the beginning of the call of Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and all the other disciples. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, it says in Matthew 4. How they left their nets and followed him. Let us remember the beginning of our lives when we first made that decision to follow Christ. When you first received that call, remember way back when, making a promise to God, God, that I will follow you for all the days of my life. You made that promise. How dare we go back, remembering, for me, the boombox that I used to keep in my head with worship song praying. When I was in middle school, just asking God to come into my life and worshiping him, in spirit and his truth, with no one in my room, just by myself, just worshiping him with tears and going to sleep. And God used me in such a way. And there came a point in my life where I messed up, where I lost my way. And I went in my own direction. And it was at the age of 16 when I've gotten arrested and got in trouble with my friends. And I remember asking God, God, come and rescue me and save me. God, I promise today and from here on on, no more compromises. I will follow you for the remaining of my days. I'm at the age of 30-something now. And there was never a moment where I've given up in Christ, for he has never given up on me that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation may be, may you remember what Easter is all about. That because he lives, I live. And because he, has, he lives and he overcame death, you and I, we have hope and hope to the full. And that's what it means for Peter here today. And it's not just for Peter, it's for all of us. It's Christ reinstating us to the purpose of life, of how you need to live your life. What are you living for? What are you hoping for? What are your dreams? Your dreams don't count if your dream is not found in Christ. May your dreams be in God and be found in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and here, John chapter 21, where Jesus reinstates Peter. Going back to the beginning, Matthew 4, when Peter is first called, is filled with such a powerful spiritual meaning. Jesus here is offering Peter forgiveness, a second chance, love unconditional, and a life eternal in him. Jesus, he provides Peter purpose, purpose, purpose. Galatians 2.20 Can we all read together? Ready? One, two, three. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And John 14.19 Ready? All together. One, two, three. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Amen. Amen. Let us turn to our neighbor right now and say, Happy Easter. Let us turn to our neighbor and say, Christ is risen. And say, because he lives, turn to your neighbor and say, because he lives, because he lives you too shall live.
1: You too shall A
0: live. few more. Because he lives, tell them, because he lives, I too shall live. And turn to your neighbor, lastly, and say, he's alive. He's, he's alive. alive. He's alive. He's alive he's alive. Proclaim it to the whole world. He's alive. That's what the gospel is. We're at nursing home. We declare Christ who is alive. We're in the mission field. We declare Jesus Christ who is alive. On this beautiful Easter afternoon, may our answer today be, yes, Lord, you are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords and as peter declared lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and as martha declared yes lord i believe that you are the messiah the son of god who is to come into the world amen and amen god bless you may you continue to live this one life that you have to know the father to be known by him and to know who you are and to whose you are may you walk today joyfully with the joy with a smile that is sh- shown in our faces for the hope that we have in jesus christ amen and amen at this time i want to invite the praise team to please come up <laughs> and as we sing this song together i want to encourage you to pray i want to encourage you to sing Whatever it may be, but Christ, he is reinstating us to a rightful place. So whatever you need to do at this very moment in your own space, in your own individual spot, I want to invite you to come and worship him in spirit and in truth. And when you're ready on your own, just please stand and join whenever you can. Brought feed and worship together. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, For we are God's handiwork, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Heavenly Father, as you have reinstated Peter, you reinstate us to live this one life for your kingdom and for your purpose. May we live this one life to do the good works in which, God, you prepare in advance. Before we were even born, you have called us to do, Lord, we pray for faithfulness and for perseverance and for steadfastness, O oh God. That when we fall seven times, we will get right back up and continue on to do it again, and again and again, for it is you that holds us, for it is you that strengthens us, it is you that leads us. We give you all the glory and all the honor because you lives, and because you live, I also live. We pray all these things, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ and me pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen.
2: Heavenly Father, just thank you for just giving us this day, Father. Just come here and just worship you and just praise you on this Easter Sunday. <laughs> I just thank you for just um giving us this message today by Reverend Andrew. And I just ask that <clears throat> that we will always remember the meaning of Easter. We should always remember that because he lives that we are also allowed to live, Father. And Father, <coughs> I just thank you for just giving us your, the greatest gift, giving us your son, and giving us some meaning to our lives. And just a teacher, but not only a teacher, but someone who serves your people, Father. Thank you, Father, and Please accept this offering that we have prepared for you. And do uh, let us just further your kingdom. Uh, thank you for everything. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Okay, so as you all know, Yoon will be back one more time later. In about two weeks, is it? Yes. Without that, I think just overall as a whole, Just Yoon, I'm glad that he's leaving on Easter, especially after hearing the message today and being able to worship together. I pray that Yoon, with the last memory that you would have here in this place, is not missions or anything else, but your last day here would be remembered with great joy as you remember Easter that because he lives, we live. And whenever you go through trials and hardships, and whenever you go through difficulties, I want to encourage you today to always remember the last message, the life of Jesus Christ, that he has called you to be his disciple, and that for you to just follow him for all the days of your life. Don't get lost over there in Seattle. Don't get too many girlfriends. Uh, Don't become too popular there, Yoon, but always keep yourself grounded, uh, find a good, healthy church, and continue to dive into the Word. And you're not that far from Josh, so you guys can have sleepovers here and there and have a pillow fight, I don't know, whatever you guys do. Uh, You guys can keep each other in company, and we will come and visit you. I promise you, we'll come and visit you. And You're not a stranger. Uh, This is your route. This is your home. Uh, we'll continue to be praying for you, and don't forget, um, you know, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your prayers. I've been very blessed through your offering prayers these past two weeks. Um, well, he's leaving Saturday, so we have the week to see him. So I don't know why you is crying, but we have a whole week to see him during the week. Um, let's just continue praying for Yoon. For protection for god to protect them in all that he does so you if you could just come to the front right now as we're here together let's just pray for god's protection and for god's blessing to be upon Yoon and in his life and for the future and let's just all come together and pray a prayer of blessing and for god to continue to pour out his unconditional love in his life let's all circle you right now don't worry about yeah just come close come close Let's just all extend our hand and let's just take this moment right now to pray for you together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray for a special prayer for my brother, you. For our dear brother, I pray, God, for your protection, for your hand to be upon him, O oh Lord. I pray, God, that you will not forget your providence, your faithfulness, and your goodness in his life. From his journey here in New Jersey, from the moment that God, he came and joined Deep Roots ministry, he has been a tremendous blessing. And God, you have been faithful in his life. And all that he has done, God, he was able to do because of your goodness, because of your protection, because of your hand in his life, he is able to live this life for you, oh God. Because you loved him first, He is able to love you back and to live this one life faithfully. I pray, God, you will strengthen him from here on out as he takes that plane and as he goes into that journey into a new city. I pray, God, you will give him strength and encouragement in his heart. Remind him once again, always every single moment that when life gets dry, when life becomes mundane, that he will not forget the love that he has found in Christ that he remembered remember today's message because he lives, that he also will live forever and ever. And I pray for protection. I pray against any attack, any plan of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that he will find a church that will keep him grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. That he will not forget who he is in Christ. That he will remember you who will follow after you and who will always pursue after you and all that he does may his life be a blessing and may you continue to pour out your blessing upon his life I pray God for the brothers here in this place they will learn to keep each other in check and to be there for one another and to strengthen one another and to pray for one another and give you all the glory and all the honor, Heavenly Father, I want to pray a prayer for a I pray every prayer, every word I've spoken, they will not fall to the ground. But Lord, you will hear it from heaven. May it take root in the soil of your goodness, in the soil of your faithfulness, and in the soil of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because you live, we live. We no longer live, but it is Christ that lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. May you never forget his identity in Christ. May he be a light that shines where he goes in the company, in his relationships, in the church, that you use him in his actions, in his heart, in his life that everything he does, that will point to Christ, that he will become an arrow of Jesus Christ, that he will point to your goodness. And God, we also pray a special prayer for Josh as well, who is also on the other side. I pray, God, that you would continue to work within him and in the church with his father, with Reverend Jason. I pray for protection. I pray, God, even as they meet in the West Coast, that they will have good fellowship, brotherly fellowship that is found in Jesus Christ, that they will give encouragement to one another to encourage each other to pray for their home church back here in new jersey that they will continue to sow seed of faith in each other that will sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron that will continue to grow in christ lord i pray for protection for your guidance for your love to be bestowed upon here in this church upon this moment that we will never get back let us appreciate and be grateful for this very moment that you have given us to worship you in spirit and in truth. You love you dearly. We'll be praying for you. We're always here for you. And we'll always root for you. We pray for nothing but the best and all the good things that God has in store for your future and for your present. Lord, we seal every prayer. Every prayer, every word, every heart, we lay it down at your feet. We thank you, we love you, for all these things. Your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song as a declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ, the path of life in Jesus. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you, and be gracious to you. Now may the unending pursuit, and may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to guide you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, Amen and Amen.